This is Life in FM, the Good Shepherd Fargo Moorhead podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Life in FM. I'm Pastor Taylor Wilson, your host, and today we're continuing our Lenten focus on equipping you for faith and life. We have special guests Dr. Aaron and Pastor Mary Samola Folkerds. We're going to be touching on the topic of mental health. We're so grateful for you, and we're grateful that you check out Life in FM. So make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Share it with your family and friends. Know that we're grateful to be the church with you wherever you're at. This is Life in FM. Hey, Mary. Pastor Mary, I should say. Yes, Reverend Dr. Aaron. I hear we're going to talk about tools today. So, yes. Um, there's been this, I've been meaning to ask you about this. Uh, I've been eyeing this Milwaukee table saw. It's It's cordless. This oh, is beautiful. Okay. We're talking gonna, about power tools, right? I'm going to cut you off there. I'm sorry about this, honey. I know that tools, like power tools specifically, is one of your areas of interest. But yet we invited you on to the podcast today so that you could share tools for coping with, addressing, managing mental health issues, especially anxiety. Oh, that those kind of tools. That's the area of expertise well, we were looking for. I like talking about those tools as well. Okay. And there's a whole variety of different tools that we can utilize to help us manage our anxiety and depression. And today when we're recording this, it's like 20 million below zero right now. And I think especially in the winter, you know, like that seasonal affective disorder, people uh, have really high levels of anxiety and maybe feeling depressed. And so I think it's an important thing to talk about, especially in the midst of this weather um, that we're experiencing now. Um, there are all sorts of different tools that we can utilize in managing our anxiety and managing uh, depression. I think uh, one of the best tools goes back to Mr. Rogers, who I think is one of the greatest human beings of all time. One of your heroes. One of my heroes. He talked about the importance of naming what we're feeling so we can manage it. And I just think that that's a really important tool. So when we are feeling anxious, I think what we can do is just to name it. I'm feeling anxious right now. Um, some, it takes some of the, the power out of the anxiety then right. if you can name it and confront it. Right, exactly. Because sometimes, you know, we're so caught up in our anxiety and a lot of times we feel it just internally and feel it in our bodies. We don't necessarily realize we're feeling anxious because it's just kind of there. It's a part of who we are. Uh, but when you can take a step back and say, you know what, I'm feeling kind of anxious right now, um, then you can start putting the pieces together. In a way, it's kind of like dumping all of the puzzle pieces out onto the table and start to figure out, you know, what is that image of anxiety that you're experiencing? And also, is it normal to feel anxious? Like, should the end goal be no anxiety ever about anything? Or is anxiety a normal part of life? Anxiety is an absolute normal part of life. And, you know, you look at it, you know, historically, anxiety is, is a way of keeping us alive. Um, you know, we need to have anxiety. It can keep us sharp. It can keep us uh, safe if we encounter some kind of threat. Uh, we need to have anxiety. I think about the times when I'm uh, presenting in front of a group of people or teaching class. There's a little anxiety there um, that, that keeps me sharp. It's, it's one of those things when anxiety gets to the extreme. We can think of anxiety kind of on a continuum. And how do you keep it at that healthy level? And that's where it goes back to naming anxiety, you know, especially naming those experiences where anxiety kind of goes off the charts a little bit. So then what can you do 
uh, to help manage your anxiety when that anxiety gets more more extreme. So you can kind of think of it on a continuum. So then what are some of those tools? One of the tools is naming it. Are there mm -hmm. any other tools that can help kind of disarm this anxiety or just help us go through it? Yeah, there's just a ton of things that we can do. Um, when, I, when I work with people, um, two of the most basic things that I talk to people about are sleep and exercise. Um, exercise is especially critical, I think, because um, you know part of what happens when we're experiencing anxiety is we have all that cortisol and adrenaline that's floating through our body, all those stress chemicals. And it has nowhere to go. Has nowhere to go, right. And so it just, and that can build up over time and it can have all sorts of biological effects. So one of the best ways of getting rid of all of those stress chemicals is to exercise. Uh, they did this really interesting study out of Duke where they had people walk on a treadmill for just a half hour a day. And they found that just simply walking on a treadmill for a half hour a day lowered levels of, of cortisol and adrenaline, uh, lowered um, uh, depression, lowered anxiety. It can be a really effective tool. And what about sleep, though? You also mentioned sleep. Would you say sleep is better than scrolling on your phone for like hours at night? Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This may, this and we'll may talk about technology a in a second as well. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we're chronically exhausted in our world, in our society. They've done tons of studies on just how exhausted uh, people are in, in the United States. And, you know, we're supposed to get seven to eight hours of sleep uh, a night. And the statistics are quite alarming. Most people are not getting that at all. Um, and sleep is really the way that our brain resets. Um, I think of back to my mom. She always said, well, it'll be, better, it'll be better in the morning when you just get a good night's rest. And you know what? She's right. Just getting a good night's rest can help reset all of those chemicals in our, in our brain, the adrenaline, the cortisol that feeds in um, to our anxiety. So I just think those are two critical things that we and need to be doing. And often we overlook some of those like low-hanging fruits that we could try to focus on and we try to find what, no, what's the more complicated thing or the more exotic thing or um, thing that might be the newest, latest thing, but just getting back to those basics. That's the key, I think, in so much in life. Just go back to the basics. There isn't that magic uh, formula or anything like that, but just doing those basic things can be helpful. So sleep and exercise, I think, are two critical aspects uh, to managing anxiety. Um, one thing I've also noticed, too, is just the use of therapeutic language in everyday vocabulary mm -hmm. now. Um, and so I'm not da I'm not trying to slam any um, therapeutic help that people get. And also, you're a therapist. And so we're both supportive of people seeking therapy to help them through issues. But sometimes the therapeutic language takes over um, our vocabulary, whether we've had any therapy or not. And it seems like sometimes that language is used so that you don't have to confront something. Like say you talked about teaching a class and feeling some anxiety. And instead of saying, oh, I'm feeling anxious, which means I shouldn't be a professor. It's mm -hmm. saying, oh, I'm feeling anxious. How can I use this to keep me sharp when I'm teaching? Um, so like, how can we confront anxiety not to use it as an excuse and saying, I can't do something? But that, that reframe, could you speak about therapeutic language a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it comes back to what I was saying initially with Mr. Rogers. You know, name what you're, anything mentionable is manageable is what Mr. Rogers said. So if we can name it, we can manage it, right? 
And that's what therapy, that's really what therapy comes down to, is we work with people to name their experience of anxiety, depression, or, or whatever they're experiencing so that they can manage it. So often what happens is sometimes people name it so they become it. They become their depression or they become their anxiety. But really what, what therapy is about is naming it so you can manage it and even to reframe what you're experiencing as well. And I don't know if you remember, the, there's a great uh, reframe story that we actually experienced together. Do you remember down at Universal Studios? Oh, Harry Potter world? Yeah, so just to take a quick uh, segue into what reframing looks like. So we were at Harry Potter world, Universal Studios in Florida. This would have been 2012-ish, something like that. And we left our kid at home. And we left our kid at home, which is, <laughs> was, well, he would have been one at the time. So probably a smart idea. Um, uh, so we're outside of the wand store. Well, we remember were, that? We, it was after the wand store because we were in line to get on to the next, like that virtual yeah. reality roller coaster right, thing. Right, exactly. And the kid was playing with his new wand. That's what it was. Yeah. So he'd just gotten his wand from the wand store where you can go into this wand store and the wand chooses you and they're, they're ridiculously expensive. I don't know what it was, but it was a lot of money. So we're in line for this, uh, whatever roller coaster ride, the virtual reality ride is. And he starts waving his wand around, just kind of all over the place. He was jumping around. He was jumping around. And... He was having a good old time. And then the wand slips out of his hand. It hits the concrete, and the wand breaks in two. And there's all these parents with their kids all around us. And, and we were watching, and we thought, oh my gosh, this kid is going to have a temper. And, and do you remember, like, every, it was sort of this dull roar of conversation, and then everything just went silent. All eyes were on this kid and the broken wand. And he picked up both pieces of his wand and he said, I've got two wands. And he thought this was like the greatest thing in the world, that his wand broke and now he's got two wands. And all the parents in line that heard that breathed like this huge sigh of relief. Like, yeah. oh. And then as, you know, as a counselor, I just graduated with my master's degree at that time in counseling. And so I wanted to go over and talk to his parents and be like, how did you do that? You know, this kid has this natural ability to reframe the difficult things in life. Man, I wonder where that kid from the Universal Studios is at now. Have you ever thought about that? I've thought about that so many different times. I want to go to his parents and talk to them and be like, how did you raise this kid to have this natural resiliency and this natural ability to reframe the difficult things in life? But is that something that we can learn, like the ability to reframe? Is that a muscle that we can learn to flex? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think that part of therapy is always being able to, you know, talk to somebody about how we can find new life in the midst of, you know, struggles and difficult things that we're, we're going through, uh, those periods of desolation that we experience. I think therapy can be a way of being able to find the consolation in the midst of desolation. And that's what it's all about. And I think that's where it can tie in with our spiritual practice and the tools we've been given as Christians. Because as we look at scripture, there has never been any guarantee of anyone getting through life completely unscathed without facing difficult things. And if we know people have faced difficult things in the past. We also know then that they've probably gone through periods of dark times or depression. They've probably gone through times of anxiety and not knowing exactly what's next for them. So those feelings that you have in life are not new, and we've seen people deal with it in Scripture, and then we've also seen how God's presence breaks into that. 
And often God's presence can break into it through the kind words of others and the caring support of others. And therapy can be one of those avenues of receiving words of consolation and support to help you name that. Absolutely. And, you know, talking about scripture, I think of the Psalms in particular, you know, Psalms have that element of lament uh, where that the psalmist is crying out to God and lamenting, but then that lament leads to praise and leads to new life. And I think that's kind of a model of therapy as well, that we come to therapy, we lament and cry out, but then that leads to new life. It leads to that, to that reframe. It's kind of that two-wand living in a way. And that's something then, then that shifts from your wheelhouse of mental health care to my wheelhouse of dealing with spirituality. And those things aren't separate. I mean, those are linked. But also helping people see that suffering is a part of life, that Jesus is with us in the time of suffering. And it's okay to even engage that suffering and that lament that is referred to in the Psalms because engaging it doesn't mean that you have to stay there. It's just that's one way of naming the hard things that are happening so that you can face them and move through them and not be perpetually held hostage by those things. Right. It goes back to naming it, to, to overcome it, and naming it to manage it, not naming it to become it. Um, I think really is what it comes down to. So we are children of God. We are not the things that we are diagnosed with. Right. We, we go back to our identity. We're all, we're all children of God. We're the daughters and sons of God. And we think about the struggles we go through, and we think, okay, I'm dealing with this hard thing that I'm anxious about, but how could I see it as two wands? Right. How do we engage in that two-wand living in life, right? I think it's, it's a powerful thing. All right. And we can come back to our faith at the end of the day. Um, one last thing I wanted to say, too, is if people feel like they're, you know, they're anxious feelings or if they're feeling, you know, have, feeling depressed, those sorts of things. If you're feeling like that's getting in your, in the way of living life. Like you actually can't go to work. You can't go to school. You can't function. Right. If that, if that loop of anxiety is just playing really loudly in your head, there's a lot of really wonderful therapists out there. And therapy can be a really great avenue to be able to find new life, to be able to you know, engage in that two-wand living to reframe the difficult things that you're going through, to be able to manage that and to find that new life. God wants us to have life and to have it abundantly, right? And, and therapy can help us to do that. And therapy is one of those things right along with going out for a walk, talking to a friend, and getting some sleep, and remembering that you're not alone and God is with you. Amen. Amen. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, check back weekly for new content, and if you'd like to support this important ministry of Good Shepherd, you can go to our website, knowthegoodshepherd.org slash giving for a one-time or recurring gift, or you can text a dollar amount to the number 84321. Thanks for being a part of the community here at Good Shepherd. This is Life in FM.